given what you said there, we might change this episode to I like that ad as opposed to I love that ad, just, just in your <laughs> honor. Uh, no, there are some ads that I do love. <laughs> I, may not, I may not love the advertising industry as it's currently configured, but there are some ads that I do love. I don't know if you heard, but this podcast is now sponsored. So before we get into the episode, let me tell you about our sponsor. I Love That Ad is proudly sponsored by IRS Plus, the one-stop shop for expert local radio planning and media agnostic brand solutions. If you have a media brief, you need to speak to IRS Plus. Go to irsplus.ie or mail hello at irsplus.ie for more. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Love That Ad, a very special episode today because not only am I joined, as always, by uh, my one, my only, Shane W. Brennan. Hello, Shane. Hello. Uh, we're also uh, joined by Bob Hoffman. Now, Bob goes by uh, by many names, Chief Aggravation Officer at Type A Group, the Ad Contrarian, or our only friend in advertising. Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, it's a it's a it's a real real honor to have you. Um, I think uh, you were you were one of the, the the first that really grabbed my attention in in my early days of advertising, along with Cindy Gallup of as people who just say the fuck what they want, <laughs> regardless of, of of what repercussions. And uh, absolutely opened my eyes to just just fresh honesty in the industry. Do you get that a lot? Yeah, well, it's it's great not to have a job. Because you can say whatever you want and not worried about not worry about being fired by a boss or a client, and so uh, there's great freedom in being unemployed. <laughs> Hence why we didn't start this podcast till we got out of agency. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so, Bob, for 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 anyone who uh, who uh, the 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 few people who mightn't be uh, familiar with your work, could you summarize kind of uh, what you do in, in a sentence or two? Yeah, well, I, I started in the agency business. I was chief executive of three agencies. I retired about 10 years ago. And since then, I've been writing and speaking about advertising. And always uh, been very complimentary of the industry and its practices. And Oh, yeah. And, and such. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a great fan of uh, recent advertising practices. <laughs> uh you're also a, a number one selling author uh, a number of books um can you give us an overview of the type uh, type of topics that you exp- explore in the industry yeah right now i'm focused on what i think is a very dangerous thing which is tracking and i think uh, my latest book is called ad scam and it's about how tracking has led to i think serious problems for democracies and serious privacy problems for individuals. And um, that is really my, has been my major focus for about a, over a year now, but I've been talking about it. I wrote my first article about it in 2010 for Adweek magazine here in the US. Uh, But it's really been the focus of my speaking and writing uh, for the past year or two. How do you find the the reception to that? Like I know you spoke in the in the European Parliament this year as well. So there's there's kind of big bodies who are kind of leaning into what you're saying, and are you getting pushback then from the the actual holders of the topic that you're exploring as well? Is is it duality there? It's very interesting. In private, everyone agrees with me. 
in public they're afraid to say it uh well, and you can name names here just just throw them all out there on this podcast it's like most yeah. things in life isn't it yeah it's uh, it's a highly politicized issue and as a result uh you know people are very i understand some people they have families they have mortgages and they have cars and homes and you know they don't want to get into trouble and so they'll come up to me after I speak and they'll say, oh, Bob, I'm glad you said that. Oh, it's a blah, 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 blah. But in public, they will keep their mouths shut and not say a word. So it's, uh, it, you know, it's something that has to be dealt with because it's too dangerous to be allowed to continue. And uh, the marketing industry knows everything about us now. They follow us everywhere. The KGB and the Gestapo could only dream of having the amount of information about citizens that uh, Google and Facebook now have. And uh, it's not it's not healthy. It's not healthy for democratic societies. And uh, we have to do something about it. And uh, do you find that it's it's all to do with the, the tech companies and, and, and their practices? Or is there an onus on, on we the people as well in terms of what we willingly can hand over to in exchange for content or whatever it may be or yeah or apps. it's a three it's a three-legged stool it's uh it's the ad tech industry it's the marketing and advertising industry and it's the ignorance of individuals who don't really understand what's going on and um the uh the solution is not simple S sadly the the advertising and marketing industries I think are too irresponsible and too immature to control themselves. There's no self-restraint and consequently um, the problems keep growing bigger and uh, our industry leaders, so-called leaders are afraid to open their mouths. They know, they know it's dangerous. They know it's not good, but um, you know, they don't, too many people are making too much money and uh, nobody wants to kill the golden goose even though the golden goose is going to kill us one of these days if we're not careful yeah and and from someone who who's has, has such experience in the industry uh, as yourself and and also in, in this in, in the books that you're going through you're 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 kind of uncovering the the the, the murky world of of ad tech and the the sinister side of of advertising i i was, it got me thinking you obviously did at one stage love advertising from 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 leading those agencies so i yeah. wondered are you are you able to still love ads even if you're not in love with the ecosystem that creates them these days i'm not sure i loved ads i liked ads uh and i liked being in the ad I, you know i had a wonderful career i have nothing to complain about but the problem is uh, the advertising industry has become too dangerous you know to the rest of the outside, our little bubble of advertising and marketing, the advertising industry is seen as ridiculous and stupid by most people. Uh, and, uh, you know, to a large degree, it is ridiculous and stupid. But now it's not just ridiculous and stupid. Now it's dangerous. With all the information we're collecting, with the fact that governments are tapping in it's now being reported that governments here in the States, at least, that are not allowed by law to collect certain types of information about people are getting that information anyway by getting it from the data that the ad tech industry is, is 
So, so they have a workaround. They're not allowed to spy on us, but they're, but they're allowing the, the, uh, the marketing and advertising industry to spy on us, and then they're tapping into the information that the advertising and marketing industry are collecting. So it, it's gotten dangerous. It's no longer just ridiculous. It's also dangerous. And that's a big change. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm worried about it. And are you seeing, um, are you seeing that looking like it's, it might change uh, for the better? In, in, in Not here in the States. In Europe, in Europe there, is, uh, there is some momentum to try to do something about that. Here in the States, it's hopeless. We have, uh, we have a government that's gridlocked, that can't get anything done. Uh, and uh, this is very low priority to most uh, politicians in Washington. I, I, you know, I was in Europe recently and I was speaking, uh, as you mentioned, I spoke at the European Parliament and there seems to be uh, a serious concern am among some of the uh, members of parliament there to do something about this. And they have passed certain regulations. Unfortunately, a lot of the regulations that they passed have not been enforced. And um, there is, uh, you know, there's kind of a minor crisis about enforcement. But uh, I think they're starting to understand that it's important to do that. And uh, I think we will, I think we will uh, make some progress in Europe, at least, uh, you know, over in Ireland, there's a guy called Do Dr. Johnny Ryan. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's very active in this uh, movement. And you really ought to get to uh, know who he is and what he's doing because he's a very forceful person in the fight to protect privacy. And um, I think he's in Dublin. Yeah, we'll, we'll, look, we'll look into him. Yeah, yeah definitely sure. we'll look him up, yeah. yeah. And, and when, when we approached you for, for coming on the podcast and uh, given what you said there, we might change this episode too. I like that ad as opposed to I love that ad, just, just in your <laughs> honor. Uh, no, there are some ads that I do love. <laughs> I, may not, I may not love the advertising industry <laughs> as it's currently configured, but there are some ads that I do love. Probably well, I always joke about that our, when we eventually set up a Patreon, we'll get guests on, we'll call it I Hate That Ad because <laughs> so many people hate more ads than they love. But at least there are ones that we do love when work is done properly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so so what kind of ads then, then did you did you think of of, of when, when we first asked you to come on for your, for your three favorite ads? Well, I'm not sure these are my three favorite, but the but these are definitely three ads that I love. And um, shall I go into the first one? Yeah, ready? let's kick off. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so the first one is for Apple. And it's an ad that's uh, that was done, I don't know, maybe two years ago. And um, what I have here is the online version of it. It's a uh, it's a 90 second online uh, spot. I saw the same version and uh, I saw the same spot in a 30 second version on TV. But this this one is so good and so beautifully produced that um, let's look at the 90 second version. Perfect. We'll give it a whirl. The next sale is a digital treasure trove charming Ellie's private data. What? 
Lot number one, her emails. The one she's opened and read, wonderfully personal. Let's start at 240, 260, 280. So, lot number two, Ellie's drugstore purchases. Voila! Priceless data. Do I hear 480? 500. Sold. Her location data. It's not creepy, it's commerce. Do I hear 600? 620? 640? 660? Sold. Nana? All her contacts, even sweet Nana. Sold at 740. Her recent transactions. Her browsing history. Her late night texting habit. Sold. And now the one you've all been waiting for, and I can promise you won't be disappointed. to life wonderful. yeah wonderful so the things i i like about that obviously you know i'm interested in privacy and it deals with that issue but um it's so beautifully produced i mean everything about it is first rate uh it is very well written it's beautifully art directed and uh it makes its point i think very clearly and forcefully and uh you know uh, apple itself is not all that great when it comes to protecting privacy you know they 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 like to talk about it a lot it's like you know my mother my mother once said that the reason she was attracted to my father was that he was the best of the not very good dancers and i think when it comes to privacy, Apple is the best of the not very good ad tech companies. Uh, but at least they are bringing the issue to the public. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's an important service. And when you do it in such a um, imaginative way as they've done it, I think it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think definitely a very... Uh, I remember when Apple started talking about this. Um, this is a very good way to make it easily digestible for a wider audience because I think that was the biggest struggle with the terms of data because me and Aaron both in digital media purchasing for years before we got out and moved into kind of um, more creative and production stuff and actually seeing the level of detail that we had access to and the level of detail that you could leverage for the client was scary to say the least, right? Yes. And, but trying to communicate that to people outside of our bubble is difficult. Like to the extent where you're like, yeah, you, you know the way it's really handy that Google knows you're here. That means they can sell that to us or in mail ads and targeting insurance key terms, targeting all this. There's just seems to be so they live their lives online to the extent that they can't seem to separate what they're giving away and what they're just doing and what's part of the ecosystem. They just accept it. Whereas what's lovely about that piece of creative and that production, as you said, it's, it's top brass right across the board. OK, which always helps. But just bringing it down to something so tangible as an auction to uh, bring to life that actual kind of digital auction place, representing it for the more common man or layman. Um, is great it's a great way to to to, to really hammer home for people because i know there's is as you, as you rightly pointed out there is an awful lot more of a an awakening of of people starting to understand what they are giving up because i thought there was a great i don't know if you saw this bob there on the um is it dragons then in the uk there was a big 
there was a big push here a while ago. There was a guy who went in. He, I think he got a load of. He raised a. It's like Shark Tank in the US. He got a load of um, funding because his idea was around selling. He was essentially protecting people's data and then allowing them to generate money from it. Now I don't know uh-huh. where the company's gone, but what it did do online on social media when people were talking about it was all of a sudden it was an intro for people to putting a value uh-huh. on their information. So they were like, and his push was people need to understand that their information is valuable. So all of a sudden people started talking about, wait a minute, all this stuff is valuable. I can, even if it's 10 cent or whatever per thousand sales or auctions, it just started. It seemed to, I saw, I noticed a tweet coming from having worked in digital marketing for years and no one having a fucking breeze. What the hell is going on (laughs) to all of a sudden someone being like, no, this, this, this is worth something to someone. Even though yeah. it's not necessarily worth something I don't to me technically, it, but they do. Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> yeah. it, but someone else is putting a value on yeah. it, and I just it, thought it, that was interesting in the last couple of years. It's very hard to explain to people the direct line, particularly here in the states where there's such political strife and such a wedge has been driven into society. It's hard to explain to people how online tracking by advertising has led to that. Mm. The way I try to do it is to talk about Facebook. Facebook executives did a study in 2018, and they found that of all the people who joined extremist groups on Facebook, two-thirds of them, 64%, were sent there by Facebook's recommendations. And where do Facebook's recommendations come from? It comes from the the um, collection of data through tracking and and the algorithms that 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 data informs so it's very dangerous for society but it's hard for people to understand that connection Hmm. yeah for sure like like especially when you you see articles even like especially the facebook algorithm driving even hate journalism or hate clicks you know what i mean hate clicks are far more powerful than than positive news stories so therefore the logical implication of that is well hate will drive more traffic therefore we will play off that right um especially when stuff is mechanized like it's it's really hard you're right it is really hard to because once again people just kind of i think they still have this romantic view of what the internet was in like 2003 2004 and it's just a place where you go get information not thinking of it as its own ecosystem that is playing it's actually adapting from you the user whereas we used to just go there like a message board it was there but now it's manipulating itself to us and people just they're getting better people are getting better at understanding it but they're still very slow they, they yep. it, like, it's crazy yeah even people in our industry don't get it a lot of the time i find that yeah we were media buying uh for years but like most of the digital media buying is was, was put in the hands of young to mid 20 year olds the youngest uh, person in the room <laughs> you know who's spending yeah. millions of their of their clients budgets leveraging data without but it's just a tuesday uh, and yeah. to them <laughs> you know that kind of way yeah. and, and absolutely and it just just trundles on which yeah and the, and the and the industry has become more industrialized which means it's it's optimizing for efficiency rather than craftsmanship and so you have all these young inexpensive people making decisions about stuff that uh they may not really understand and and then as well i think because 
people are inexpensive and therefore unhappy in their employment in the industry the the second person in gets trained by the person leaving and they train them half as well so it's like the information funnel is dwindling the whole way down to the extent it's like how do we do our targeting well we just we just turn it on i don't i don't know yeah so like you know what i mean button. right yeah generations of associates it, it it passes after about two years you go through five generations of associates yeah. there's a the, on the ad you brought there the apple ad there's there's a great line that stood out where the auctioneer says it's not creepy it's common <laughs> <laughs> that's a wonderful bit of copy uh, you know there is there's one little thing about that ad that i would uh criticize Mm-hmm. Go for it. You know, I give it about a 97 on a scale of 100. But, <laughs> but the, th- the three points I take off are for the, um, the audience that's bidding on the information. There are too many old people in, the, in that audience. There aren't enough people who look like Zuckerberg or look like <laughs> Bezos or look like, um, you know, all the, all the uh, tech titans who I think should have been represented in that audience to make the point a little clearer. Or even uh, some I, even more malevolent looking characters in maybe holes or dark, you can't even see their faces like, yeah. or something. Or even, and also just, I agree, I actually agree with you on that because there was a few, I was like, geez, they've really brought this art auction, like you, the woman holding the chihuahua. I'm gonna stop right. right. She's not buying anyone's fucking data, right? No, in any no. in any walk of life. Funnier right. thing would be like the eighteen year old who's not even paying attention, but he's just being a troll. So he's just, you know what I mean? Yes, like, yeah, absolutely, that, yeah, yeah. That, that would, that's that where that I was been going interesting. With my, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. could have played with that as additional jokes then yep. throughout the yep. whole piece. But yeah, no, no. Still, a ninety-seven is a good score. Ninety-seven. You know what? <laughs> I never had a ninety-seven in my life. Yeah, when I was same. Well, that's that's Can a, we that's move a, on to my yeah, second that's, choice? It's a brilliant yes. one to open okay. with, yeah. Go for it. Okay, good. My second choice is a um, an outdoor campaign. Mm-hmm. And here in the States, I don't know if you have them over there in Ireland. Here in the States, we have something called locator boards. And what they are are billboards along the freeway, along the highways that say, you know, Taco Bell next mm-hmm. stop or, you know, like that. And they're usually unbelievably mundane. But this campaign was done by McDonald's, and I think it was brilliant. And um, what it does is it's it's simple, it's charming, and it tells you it's McDonald's without actually having to say McDonald's. So the the thing I love about it is its simplicity, Mm -hmm. and um, it, uh, it uses it. The, the distinctive assets of McDonald's, the, the, the one distinctive asset, which is the um, the big M, the uh, golden arch, mm-hmm. uh, as a roadmap. And one of the things I love about it is that it doesn't say McDonald's on it. It makes you close the loop. You know, and I used to be a teacher and an educational philosophy uh, closing the loop is an important part of teaching. So if you say to kids, two and two is four, okay, they might remember that. But if you say, how much is two and two? And the kid has to close the loop and say four, he's mm-hmm. much more likely to learn mm-hmm. than if, and in this case, McDonald's is asking you to close the loop and say to yourself, oh, this is a McDonald's billboard. This is not... 
uh, I, I'm not giving you the answer. I'm making you, um, I'm making you create the answer for yourself. Mm. Uh, and I think that's, that's very good. In advertising, uh, we give, we give the answer too often. We don't, we don't let the consumer draw a conclusion. And this one does, which I like this campaign. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a really good point. I think a lot of, a lot of times we, we don't respect the audience or the consumers enough to be able to make that, that final <laughs> little leap to fill in the blank. Yeah, uh, because we have to make the logo bigger to make sure that they've got that. <laughs> yeah, make, make the sure logo bigger. Yeah. yeah, right. We have to make sure that the client is happy that is. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a fan of outdoor advertising uh, for one big reason. When I was a creative director and people would come in and show me a new campaign or show me some alternatives for campaigns that were multimedia. I would always tell them to show me the outdoor first. Before you show me the print ads, before you show me the TV commercials, show me the outdoor. Because I knew if they captured the essence of the campaign, the concept in outdoor, then we could do it in other media. Because outdoor is the simplest media and people who understand the value of simplicity and can create a campaign that um, is well executed in outdoor, I think we can then explode it out into other media. So that was always one of my, and you know, the great, uh, what was Leonardo da Vinci's famous line? Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And I think that holds true today. And I think advertising has become way too complicated. I don't know what it's like over there in Ireland, but here every 30 second TV commercial now has 50 cuts in it. And you can't, it's hard to follow what's going on because they've, and they're trying to get so much information into a, into a TV spot. Uh, You know, I hate, I hate online advertising, but at least one of the things that that does is generally keep things simple. Uh, in in other media now, we've gotten way too complicated. I'm sorry, you're going to say something. Yeah, no, it was, it's funny. I was just thinking. I was just talking to someone about this um, with regards to direction in advertising lately, because uh, we we were making a short film ourselves there not too long ago, and um, with kind of the movement away from kind of locking the camera down with on a tripod and just literally letting a scene happen with two cuts between two characters and then the the kind of rise of music video and MTV and fame causing the camera to be far more intrusive with movement and whips and instead of like having one movement of a camera as like your I don't know your really impressive movement in a, in a 90 minute film then we ended up in a stage you now you look at a 30 second ad and they're like music videos on crack and or like and they're just they're flying all over the place and you're not giving your audience much time to settle into an environment and another thing is we talked about this as well on the podcast whereas campaigns are now turning around you're getting a whole new fucking campaign every six months so you're not i feel like from a creative perspective people aren't sitting down to be like this campaign is going to last two years three years we need to take our time make sure it's right and it's something that can stand the test of time whereas now i feel like it's wear out six months in wear a change six months in wear a change so like the actual churn doesn't result in people i don't know putting as much time or pride or into what they're doing in, in my opinion i think it's yeah, just because you know it's going to change in six months so you're like fuck it <laughs> i think you're right and the problem is that 
our clients have lost patience mm -hmm. and they don't understand that building brands takes time mm -hmm. and they and they're focused on what happened how many clicks they got this week rather than whether they're building a brand or not and that's how they're evaluated sadly mm -hmm. being a chief marketing officer is like the worst job in the world now uh you you you, you can't win um, because you know, if you're a good marketer, you know, it's going to take you, uh, you know, if you're starting from scratch, it's going to take you two or three years to, to have any effect on the, on, on building a brand, but your stakeholders, so to speak, your CEO and your board want to see result what happened this week. Mm -hmm. And, um, often the short-term and long-term effects are out of alignment. What's good for this week may not be good for the long term and usually isn't. Usually what we call, um, oh shit, what's that word that I hate? Uh, uh, performance advertising is not the kind of advertising that builds brands. Mm. And uh, But uh, the marketing industry has been, has fallen in love with short-term results and has forgotten what has built the greatest brands in the world. What, what built Apple? What built Nike? What built McDonald's? What built Coca-Cola? Um, it's it's long-term dedication to brand values and, and to what the brand uh, is about and, and to creating fame for the brand. I think so, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. So just just the, this this campaign that you brought the this one I think it was it was by Cosette in 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 France I think that that created it. The, uh -huh. This is a perfect example of when of leveraging a brand's assets who have have used brand discipline over you can nearly say millennia because <laughs> McDonald's has been around that 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 long. Yeah. But when you've done that so consistently, you can get away with a massive forty eight ninety ninety six sheet where you're not including the full logo or the name of the brand because yeah. you've, you've done the hard yards uh, over, over the past couple of decades. That's correct. Yes. Uh, okay, let's get example. to, shall we get to my third, uh, one Absolutely. of my third favorites? So let's this one is for Bud Light and it's a, uh, uh, I think it ran in the mid nine, mid 1990s. So let's take a look at it and then I'll talk about it. that won't fill you up and never let you down make it a Bud Light that's one of those ads I feel I feel like I've seen but I can't remember if I had Do you know that? <laughs> I was like I feel like I've seen that well it, it does have the feel of like something from the uh, 1930s or 40s something with Humphrey it, Bogart in it yes <laughs> yes like a, like a World War II um, yeah. uh, epic uh, era, era movie and um the thing I love about it is that it's so silly. Mm -hmm. I think that silliness is so valuable in advertising. I think 
I think consumers love silly ads and I don't think that marketers understand this. Mm. Um, and, and the thing that makes silliness work, you know, there are a lot of ads that I guess try to, uh, are silly, but they're not funny. This is silly and funny. And that's what makes it so good. Um, and by the way, it was done by an Irishman, a guy named uh, Vinnie Warren, who works here in the States now. And Vinnie did uh, a lot of great beer advertising. I don't know if you guys ever got the What's Up campaign for Budweiser. Oh, yeah. It, he did that campaign. But this, but this ad, he did, I think it was Vinnie's first TV commercial. And he really, you know, Entered, it. <laughs> came up to the majors with uh, uh, he hit a home run on his first uh, at bat, as we say here in baseball talk. It's, it's, and uh, and Vinny had an agency here in uh, in Chicago called uh, the Escape Pod, and now I think he's working as an independent creative. But um, I I always admired this ad. I thought it was very funny. Uh, I I love ads that. And, and and just shows in general that have like just just gags just just y you got me looking this way and then you hit me this way That's, <laughs> right I, yeah. I, I i love that and as uh kind of as, uh, what what does conan conan says that he worships at the altar of silliness and yeah like that that's what that's what this is and i, I yeah. kind of I, I love that now it's allergic to some people and I, yeah. and I think a lot of people are more scared of it so they say they don't like it because they're more of afraid of well, if I if I try and do something silly or put this out there and people don't get it, you know, there's there's, yes. there's red faces. So I think there's a lot of fear around it, similar to how there's fear about humor and, and being the one to say the punchline out there. And, and Shane, we've talked about this a lot with, yeah. with with humor and ads. And it only only came up there a few weeks ago with Mark Ritson and he's talking about the system one research about the decline in, in humor and ads. And mm -hmm. it's just it's an open goal, really, if people lean into it, because that's what people want. Yeah, people love uh, advertising that doesn't take itself too seriously, I think. And we're, you know, the market, you know, you take an MBA and you try to explain to an MBA why silliness is good. And they look at you like you have three heads. What are you talking about? How about our proof points? Where are our yeah. proof points? Get yeah. the fuck out of it. Like people pay attention to that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. We've talked about it. Like I've talked about it a lot on this. Like if you even think psychologically, if you're at a party with people, who the fuck are you going to remember? The funny person or the person who either made no impact or was fucking crying their eyes out on your shoulder? You know what I mean? You'll be like, I oh, remember him. I don't want to deal with them. So like, yeah. I think the, the problem is an awful lot of marketers, I think, don't come from a almost performance or even a background where they're willing to put themselves out, uh, out there to fail. Or not even fail. Like, I don't know. It's, it's an intimidating. Trying to be funny is far more intimidating than trying to be very emotional, right? Because you can tell yes. a sob story and people will feel bad for you. It's hard Correct. to fucking tell a joke. Absolutely. Um, but like it's far better. As Aaron said, it's Marmite. So if you have 10 people in a room, five like silliness and five don't. Well, it's better to have five love you than have 10 forget you. Yeah. So like I, I think it's 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 interesting how I think I think we're due for a fucking renaissance on people actually backing themselves with humor again because you even see it now with any type of um ad that does do silliness like what Dollar Shave Club ad and stuff like that where someone just throws caution to the wind and because there's so f little fucking humor around it lands 
it lands yeah. big it does huge things for the brand but that's because the tide is so low <laughs> like, it's true and, and the um the number of people who can create funny ads is very small mm. it's not easy uh it, it you know the the reasons there's so many shitty books and shitty songs and shitty movies it's because it's really hard to do good ones and the same is true in advertising it's mm. really hard to do great advertising and there are very few people who could do it and particularly humorous ad if, if you're trying to be there's nothing worse than almost funny almost funny <laughs> is terrible <laughs> But funny is great, and if yeah. you can do funny, man, you, uh, th that's worth that's gold in but advertising. It, but it, at least you know there, that'll all be fixed with AI. That that'll that'll oh, yeah. 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 Thank, goodness, thank goodness for AI. I don't end all of our problems. Is this the topic of your new book? Maybe that might be coming out after AdScam. <laughs> you know what? I, I I'm too. I don't know enough about AI to Neither write anything anyone. about it. Well, uh, AI will tell you, though. Yeah, you yeah, ask it. yeah right. uh, The only thing I know about it is that it's going to cause chaos. I have no <laughs> doubt in my mind that we're in for chaos. We're not going to believe, you know, if you pay your bills online, you're not going to know if you're really paying bills or not. Yeah. Uh, you, you're not going to know. I mean, it's going to it's going to corrupt everything because there are bad people in the world mm -hmm. and those bad people are going to take advantage of this and um we're all going to pay the price for it somehow so back, i'm convinced back to cash. that Let's get back, back to cash. cash it may be <laughs> you know what it may be yeah. Well, uh, on that uh, cheery note, uh, thank you uh, very much, Bob, for, for, for the selection of ads. Can, can you tell us uh, if people want to um, uh, get any of your books, where, where's the best place they, sh they, they should go? The to? best place to get it is at your local Amazon. Uh, <laughs> I, I am too lazy to deal with publishers or uh, distributors. And so I publish all my books through Amazon. And my two most recent books, um, the one we mentioned earlier is called Ad Scam, and it's about uh, the problems of tracking. And the book uh, just previous to that is called Advertising for Skeptics. And that book is about my belief that a lot of what we take for granted as truth in the advertising and marketing industry is not really true and that we need to be skeptical about what we believe and um, what we use in our marketing and advertising repertoire. Fantastic. Um, we'll definitely definitely go to Amazon and, and grab a copy of those. If someone was listening to this and they, they're like, right, we need Bob at speaking at our event or to our company, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, BobHoffmansWebsite.com, okay? <laughs> or uh, or type... Yeah, that actually is it in the URL, isn't it? BobHoffmansWebsite.com. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, or uh, TypeAgroup.com. Either one will get you to my website. Brilliant. Well, Bob, it's been a, a true honor to to finally meet you uh, and to 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 chat through and, and a brilliant selection of ads. So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a lot of fun. Good luck Great. to you guys. Thank you. Cheers. And if, if anyone was listening and want to see those ads, go to workwithfo.e forward slash podcast so you can see them all 
on screen there. But until next week, uh, Slongo Fall. I Love That Ad is proudly sponsored by IRS Plus, the one-stop shop for expert local radio planning and media agnostic brand solutions. If you have a media brief, you need to speak to IRS Plus. Go to irsplus.ie or mail hello at irsplus.ie for more.